0: Just had to have that Noiseworks Classic in there. This is forever yellow and black, and it has felt like such a long time between seasons, even though we did play Carlton in round one. And we are facing Collingwood on Thursday night. They call it a blockbuster. Don't know how it can be a blockbuster without fans, but it certainly is one of our biggest rivalry games of any season. And uh, we also love when Eddie gets himself in a bit of a tiz, which he has with the uh, whole can Port Adelaide wear their prison stripes jumper uh, because it's you know going against Collingwood's uh, traditional jumper? But honestly, with everything going on in the world, it is a storm in a teacup. And just listen to this next section because don't you love when Eddie, who's supposed to be an unbiased commentator, gets a little bit carried away when Jack May win a certain game for us last year. We asked uh, Richmond members if they thought the club had done enough to support us during the recent period, the COVID virus obviously, and if not, what more they could have done. We had 85 votes and 71% said that they believe the club has done enough. Only 8% said no, they don't think they have. And 21% said they were not sure. And it's a really good question. And a couple of people have asked uh, what we actually meant by it. And realistically, you know, you're paying your club fees more than likely, you're not going to see many games this year and just wondering if the club has done enough. So, majority of people, 71%, said absolutely the club has done enough in this period. Good afternoon, Brett. How are we doing? Uh, not too bad. Paul, yourself? Oh, look, for a, uh, I'm in Queensland, so a sunny afternoon for us, but uh, nerves are kicking in for Thursday night already, mate, so pretty nervous. Yeah, oh, look, I'll tell you what,
1: I'm, I'm as excited as I am every other year in that days leading up to round one.
0: I'm exactly the same. And I didn't think um, with the COVID break uh, and you know crowds not being able to be there that I'd actually feel this, but I'm really, really feeling it. I feel like the season is actually back. We're playing the old enemy and it just it kind of almost feels right now.
1: I think that I think you hit it right there when you said we're playing the old enemy. If it was Carlton or St Kilda or North Melbourne, I probably wouldn't have the same feelings. But growing up I hated Collingwood with a passion. My father worked for Collingwood. Punishments for me were going to Victoria Park and spending (laughs) the afternoon there while he worked. It was just terrific.
0: Oh, absolutely. I said it in a previous podcast, but my nana was a Collingwood supporter. And uh, uh, the words that she would use, um, I have still tried to copy to these days. But she had the ability to combine words that I did not know you could do. (laughs) <laughs> uh, we won't, we'll go into that another time. Now, you might also be known by a slightly different moniker on Twitter there as well. A bit yeah, of a different I'm, name. Yeah, I'm
1: Laugh at Salty Geelong.
0: And you might also have a little bit of a different name than Brett as well. And which one do you prefer?
1: Uh, I prefer Brett, um, but I, a lot of uh, different internet platforms, I'm often called Big Bogger, but I'm quite happy with Brett.
0: Now, uh, we might touch on that in another interview about the, uh, that, that nickname, mate. We might leave that to people's uh, imaginations, but <laughs> you, you said that you know your, your dad uh, followed Collingwood and you know your punishment was Victoria Park, so why Richmond? What, what made you Richmond?
1: You know what? Now, when you asked this on the first one, my granddaughter, who's a Richmond member as well, and she said, Poppy, how did you choose Richmond? And I love this story because it's in the days of the old Melbourne Sports Depot stores. And uh, we were taken in there when we chose our team and they had the big circular rack of all the football jumpers. And one by one, I'd pull them out and I'd go, what's this one? And it was red and blue. And my mother would go, that's Melbourne. I'd go, what's their their (laughs) symbol? And she'd go, it's a demon. i go, I don't want that one. And pulled out the Collingwood and that was an instant No. And, you know, it went round and I pulled out the Richmond one and I really liked the yellow sash and the black. And I said, what's this one? She goes, it's Richmond. And I go, what's their symbol? And she goes, tigers. I go, oh, I love tigers. I'm going to be a tiger. And it was at that moment my mother said, I also barracked for Richmond. And I never knew that until that day. And I've been Richmond since I was four years old and I'm turning 54 this year.
0: I love, it's the whole point of doing this podcast is to is to delve a bit deeper into into what has made us a club and the supporters, and that's one of the best stories I've heard. I absolutely love it, and uh, and your mum as well. Just uh, it's it's fantastic. So over the years, you would have collected, you know, some Richmond jerseys. You would have collected different things. Is there is there something that stands out for you that you've collected you just absolutely love you'd never part with?
1: I've got an old VFL football jumper. It's woolen. It's made in Australia and I wear it to every game. And my wife always says, why don't you get a new jumper? Why don't you get it? And I go, I love this jumper. I wore this as a young adult and I I still wear it today in my 50s.
0: We are definitely getting pictures up on our Twitter and Facebook of that one, mate. That would be brilliant. I I remember the old long sleeve worn jumpers and uh, I'll admit I'm a sucker for anything richmond so you know any of the clubs i follow i buy everything so i'm probably the marketer's dream
1: but (laughs) you
0: still how do you keep the jumper going like what's the secret to it It lasting this long it gets
1: washed rarely but it is washed on a wool wash i only put it on when i arrive at the mcg or whatever ground we're playing at i wear it for the game and i take it straight off when i get back to the car and it gets hung up in the wardrobe and that's where it sits. So it's not a, I don't wear it around the house, I don't wear it uh, out in the street or anything like that. And because, look, one, it's wool, and it was made in Australia back in the time when quality was quality, I think that's the reason. I really do. I think that's the only reason it still goes. And I have seen two other supporters in the last two years that have given the exact same jumper just prior to AFL to their children or grandchildren, and they now wear them at
0: the game. I think that's absolutely brilliant. Uh, so it's going to be um, going to be interesting to see if you actually get to wear that. Will it be, you know, will it be pulled out uh, on the in, on the lounge room or anything like that this year? Will oh, we go down that path? Or
1: I will go that way. Um, I think, especially against Collingwood, um, I'll wear that unless. I have pre-ordered the uh, the new Dreamtime. Now, it's the first Dreamtime jumper I've ever bought. It was so magnificent. I loved it so much. I, I had to buy it. And with any luck, it may arrive before Thursday.
0: I, I, I've got to admit, and um, we had a poll up on the Dreamtime jerseys a month or two ago, and that one was close with, and I can't remember which year was the other one, but this one is absolutely blowing me away this year. I, I absolutely love it. And I, I, I've only bought one other Dreamtime jersey, um, not because I don't love them, I just don't buy three or four jerseys a year. This one is an absolute must for me, so I'm right there with you on that one as well. Um, now, you've told us why you follow Richmond. What kept the fires burning? It's a question I'm going to ask everyone. What kept those fires burning in those really dark years?
1: Look, I, I couldn't imagine not barracking for Richmond. I just couldn't imagine it. I have some great memories because being in, in my 50s, I, I grew up with Richmond being a powerhouse of a club. Um, My neighbour two doors down and a neighbour five doors up. They were Richmond supporters, friends and mums. They went every week and I used to go with their kids and myself. We'd ride the red Rattlers, the blue Rattlers and go to every (laughs) every ground. I've been to every ground that there was, including Caninia Park and um, Windy Hill. So distance wasn't a problem. The Geelong Games as a child. Like, you know, from four to about 12, they were just like journeys to the ends of the earth because they were so long. You were on country trains and you were on the red rattlers.
0: Yep. It was great. But were I. You... Go on. Also, oh, mate, I was going to say where you could actually pull the uh, pull the windows down on the uh, red and blue rattlers. I, I used remember, to. So...
1: Look, I was small enough when I first started going. I used to climb up into the luggage racks. Now, they were great big brass luggage racks. You know, you could put fully laden suitcases up there, and I'd climb up there, and there's been more than one occasion, even as a teenager, when (laughs) just before they ended, and and I'd be caught up in there on a busy train out of the crush, and I'd be sitting up in the luggage rack sort of curled up, because, you know, they were a decent-sized luggage rack.
0: They were. They actually were. I'm just. I'm just thinking back at my childhood, and uh, it was more the red uh, rattlers for me. But yeah, the, the luggage racks were pretty huge. So, mate, I, great memories there as well. So you, you'd have a fair few favourite players over the years, and who springs to mind, you know, over the last few decades?
1: Oh, look, my my ultimate favourite was Jeff Rames. I got my hair done like Jeff Rames. I had the number <laughs> four on my jumper. I, it was everything, was Jeff Rains, you know, he was just it for me. Um, prior to that, I really loved Kevin Bartlett. Um, yeah. I love Francis Burke and Jim Jess and all them. Um, but yeah, as as a teen, it was all about Jeff Rains. Um, then in the next era, it was all about Gasper, it was all about Bowden, you know, I, I really loved. Joel Bowden and Gaspar, listening to it on the radio when I couldn't be there, um, you know, and Gaspar and Hawley sort of, mm-hmm. they're just the same, you know, it's the same things I hear on the radio, if you just swapped out the names, they're doing the exact same things for the club, you know, yes. running it off half back, getting it through and connecting it to other players and just the fight to get the ball, you know, just really good things. I liked Matthew Richardson. Don't get me wrong, but he was more my daughter's favourite. Like yep, to this yep. day, still Matthew Richardson. Um, and and like and today's players, um, I loved it when we got the trio of Caddy, Prestia, and Nank. And I said to my wife, something's different this year. I just, I just had this feeling, you know, everything's looking down on us. And it did pay out that way. And when we got Tom Lynch last year, and I just looked at the wife again and I said, he's gonna be a cracker. He's gonna be a cracker. And I saw him get stuck into a player in the Richmond Carlton game and, you know, backing up a Richmond teammate. And I said, he's a
0: tiger. And, and to play, obviously not this year, but to, you know, as I said, I'm, I'm from Queensland at the moment or the last couple of decades and to play at the Suns and think they might build something there and now come down and play, you know, in front of an average of 60 odd thousand home game. That just must be like a dream to him, you know, and, and to have won a grand final now and to already be fully assimilated into the club, that must be an absolute dream scenario. You could not have could not have written it better for him.
1: I was in the Olympic stand for his first game when he come out on the G and he looked around, you could see, you know, they run out when they're just doing the little warm ups and everything. And he just stood there on the center square, just looking around. And, and I just, I'd love to be inside his head, you know, at that moment just going, God, like that's a whole season's crowd for what I'm yep. used to, you know, like it was just amazing. And, and he, you can see, he really feeds off the crowd now. And um, look, I, I hope he, he stays injury free. I watched him, you know, as he built throughout that year, and and uh, yeah, I love him. I think he's great.
0: Yeah, I, I'm just I'm still in shock that we've become uh, become that. I don't want to use the word destination, but we've become that club now that if if we're a chance to get someone. They're, they're not even thinking as much about the money. You can just feel that they want to be part of Tigerland. And it's just, I can't believe we are that club now. I'm just, you can probably hear the smile down the down the, down the phone right now. But um, I still think we're a good chance for a few free agents coming up as well. So it's going to be interesting times seeing what happens with the salary cap and others, but oh, I reckon there could be one or two shocks of uh, players we might pick up in the next year or two as well.
1: Oh, look, when, you, when you've got players, like really high-caliber players, to take pay cuts to join the club, I mean that speaks volumes. I mean, very you,
0: very Hawthorn. yeah. If,
1: if you're prepared to drop money, and we're talking some sums, just to play at that club, I mean that says a lot about the club. And then it's up to that player to make a name for his character.
0: Oh, definitely. I mean, you're going to have a a financial career post football. If you're playing at a big club, you win premierships. I mean, you're guaranteed, you know, let's be honest, you're probably guaranteed a media career uh, or you're going to be part of the club's fabric. So you're not going to struggle too much there. Um, Now, do you have a designated seat at the G? Is there somewhere or an area that, that, that's your preference? Oh, I For me, it was always a Ponsford. So.
1: Oh, I do, mate. And, and I'll tell you what, the wife, she's, she's one of those people. She's got to get there first. You know what I mean? Yeah. So whether I wanted to or not, we're leaving early. We're speaking to the security staff at gate Three. Uh, for probably an hour before the game. Like the security staff know our names. We talk to them all the time. They know the granddaughters' names. And um, we go into the Olympic stand. Um, I'm a general admission member, so we're up in level four generally. And I'm sitting in Q52. And if we can get row A, it's row A. Sometimes that's, <laughs> sometimes that's a, uh, a reserved seating area. And then we're in row M, I believe it is, and. We'll sit near the aisle. You know, we've got young kids, so you do want to get in and out now and again. And um, if we don't have the grandkids with us, we'll sit in the middle. And then we don't have to keep getting up and down, up and down, you know, as people
0: do whatever they've got to do at the games. But yeah. And how good's that view as well? Like, it's a unique game where you have to have that good view, I think. You know, like, you're not going to take kids and sit on the fence, in my mind. You know, they're not going to see everything. So it sounds like you've got a pretty good viewing platform from where you are.
1: Well, it's funny, like, on times when people have to go up there, it's like they're, they're so annoyed and, and 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 angry that they've been forced into um, the Olympic stand and Level 4 and and they get up there. And, of course, we're already sitting there because the stand's empty when we arrive. And yep, you hear yep. them go, oh, jeez, you know, what, I was really paid off that I had to sit here. But <laughs> look at the view because you're right on the wing. You're, you you know, you're a couple of days yep. from the MCC. And um, they're like, this is not bad. And I go, mate, we've sat here for years. We deliberately sit here every week. I said, it's the best vantage point. You don't have to turn your head as much. You're, you're looking right down on the play. You can see all the strategic moves. And and then the next week, I see those people there again. And they've brought in a yeah. person or two. So now it's getting quite difficult to get that Q52 spot.
0: It's a, uh, it's a good place to actually teach your grandkids and your kids um, the tactics of the game. And you can see those moves that you're not going to see on TV. A couple moves ahead, you can see um, that, that Jack's moved, you know, onto the half-forward line and Lynch just switched to the other side. You can see those little things and you point them out to your grandkids. And, and you know, in a generation's time, they're going to be doing the same, pointing out the little moves you just will never see on TV. Well, that's
1: exactly right. But I learned that that sitting above for the strategy side – I'm an avid cricket follower too, so I always used to sit in level two, you know, and, and you could watch, like you'd see a player drop out of the circle or just move yeah. around 10 steps and, oh, oh, how did he catch that? Well, you know what, if you'd have seen it from above, that was planned about a minute ago.
0: Yes, yeah, move the guy in the silly mid on, but had someone just behind points. And yeah, I'm a, a massive cricket man myself, and and seeing those little and it's funny when you see the batsman not notice. No, that's like what? he's looked around or he's talking, he hasn't seen the field move, what? and he went, "Oh, here we go." You know, the player flicks it off his hip, and all of a sudden uh, he's caught, and he's in shock. That's right. That's but right. He, he,
1: because yeah. he looked there, and there was no one there. They were in that traditional spot, and now he's scanning the covers and everything else, but that player just moved just 10 steps. That's all it was, was 10 steps.
0: Now, tell us a little bit about this week. Um, it's a really weird – I mean, we're excited. Don't get us wrong. It's a really weird feeling that Collingwood's president, as he does, shooting his mouth off a little bit – I'm not going to disparage him, but he's shooting his mouth off and one, you know, arguing about what's happening with Port Adelaide's uh, – Prison bars, jumper, and all those kind of thing, and you see, you know, Richmond CEO and president just sitting back. It's just, it's really funny how we've become the club that lets the on-field. I mean, we've got a lot of great stuff off-field, but we really let the on-field stuff do the talking. It's just so funny to watch. I'm not sure what you what you've kind of made of all of that as well. Well, I look at it, it's Eddie,
1: like, but Eddie always, yeah. like, even before he was Collingwood president, Eddie was like that. Um, I must admit, my father, before he died, you know, when Eddie first took over and he was like, oh, he goes, worst thing, worst thing for the club. I can't stand Eddie. And you know what I mean? And he and him been yep, a Collingwood yep. member and a social member and everything like that um, and working there. But, oh, look, I just put it down to it's Eddie, you know. And, and that's, I don't know, he's just, he's got to be, He's got to be front and centre. It doesn't matter what it is, he's got to be front and centre. So I think a lot of it he must play up for, you know, the publicity um, because it certainly hasn't helped his club really. Um, They haven't done the like, you know, I always have a laugh with my Collingwood friends and I'm like, oh, another bottle of Collywobble wine this year. You must have a good collection by now.
0: Mate, i, I got to admit, though, one of my favourite photos um, before last year's grand final, uh, Eddie was walking across the bridge and I just saw him and I was by myself. I, I got bored of that the kicking competition they were having on, on the oh, arrow yeah. and I uh, walked away, saw Eddie and uh, just went up to him. And he said, oh, yeah, what do you think is going to happen? And obviously I thought, oh, we might win by three or four goals. Got a photo with him. And I've got to admit, that was one of my highlights of that grand final day. He was just really open. Um, so, you know, I think pretty similar to you. I think there's two different Eddies. I think there's the Eddie that's uh, in front of the camera and on the radio, and I think there's the Eddie away from that. And there's there's always two sides to everyone, I think. So I I won't say I'm his biggest fan, but that was an enjoyable moment. Yeah.
1: Oh, well, you know, look, um, look, I'd agree. Um, Myself personally, I'd do that, and then I'd have a little dig at him. But that's just the Richmond. Yeah. That's just the Richmond in it. And he's Collingwood. So, you know, you've got to have those little digs.
0: I've, I've, oh, 100%. Mate, I've
1: got a friend from school in 1980 when Richmond played Collingwood. And all week my Collingwood friend was just into me, into me, into me, into me. And Saturday comes around, the grand final comes, and there, there were no mobile telephones. You had to get on the landline these days. <laughs> And I sat there, and as soon as the siren went, I was on the phone to him. And I ripped into him and I said, Mate, did you see Bartlett's go? Oh, that's right. Which one? Was it the first or the second? And I just got, and, and he hung the phone up on me. And, and I kid you not, we're talking 40 years ago, and he has still not forgiven me.
0: <laughs> he still
1: holds that
0: grudge. And I think that's what makes our game so great. Your friends and your enemies, you're definitely frenemies and, and I love it. I love the fact that we can sit uh, in a crowd and there can be a Collingwood supporter two rows up. You'll argue during the game, but you can walk it in most cases. You can walk out of the ground. You have a bit of a laugh together and that's really unique in world sport. Um, people can argue that point with me whenever they want, but I've been to football all over the world and you know, they, they segregate people for a reason. I think, our game is unique in that it's so high scoring that it gives the ability for that that tension kind of dissipate throughout the game. Um, and we, I think we're really lucky, mate, to be honest. So tell us what's going to happen this uh, Thursday night, you know, besides no crowd. Now, what is going to happen? How, how are we going look,
1: to win it? I, I, reckon, I reckon we will. I reckon Presty is just going to go in there and just bang. I really do. I think Presty he's looking really good. I'm loving the way some of the boys have trimmed down. I'm loving the way some of the boys have really muscled up. Um, The ones that needed to trim down, like I look at Dusty and my first thoughts when I saw my first picture when they got back, I'm like, gee, he's lost a few kilos. Like he's skinned out in the face. But he's got that leaner muscle now where, you know, like a few years back, he was really like muscular, muscular, but he was slow. And now he's leaned off that muscle's become a leaner, longer muscle, and he's got that bit more oomph to him. Um, So when he's doing the don't argues, you know, he's not dropping people on their backsides and on their back as much, but he's still holding them off. Um, I like the way Lynch has muscled up a bit more again this year. And I think that'll be a work in progress because they haven't actually played. Um, I hope Huli's... Half stays good. Um, But I'll tell you the one that's just really made my eyes open up is Shay Shay Bolton.
0: Uh, He he is
1: just like watching him in the training videos, seeing what I've seen. Like he's like he's taken a hanger with a cap on. You know, he's got a peak hat (laughs) on. He's taken a great like Specky and just gets down and runs, you know. And, And I really like, I think. I think he might be the one this year that shows something special. You know, I, I think he's been in the team long enough now. He knows how to earn his spot. He's hungry for the ball. He's got a lot of skills. You, like, you've got to give it to this little kid. He's got skills. And I just think this year he might really, like, kick on.
0: Well, it's going to be, um, it's going to be an unbelievable year to try and balance out the players. We've got virtually a full fit squad. Um, it's going to be, I honestly think the biggest challenge is going to be the coaching. We've got less coaching staff, of course, um, but this year, bouncing out who's going to get in the team and and not get in the team when there's no VFL competition is going to be... A lot of people are saying that uh, there's an asterisk next to this season. I actually don't think... Get rid of the asterisk. It's going to be be one of the greatest coaching challenges. I think it's going to be
1: way harder this year. You've had sporadic training. You've had an interrupted season. You've got players that you know, like you said, that, that aren't getting a run if they're not in the team. So, that, so if someone gets hurt and a new player comes in, they're coming in with no match hardness. You, know, you can only train so hard. You can't be, like, killing your players on the training deck and putting them out with injuries. But I, I really do think that, um, it, yeah, look, you could put an asterisk beside it, but that would be an asterisk of, like, honour in a sense. Um, with you know limited games you only play in each team once like if you play at home you're lucky enough to beat they have that team at home or you got to play away so it's all going to come down to the fixture like really come down to the fixture as to who you do play away and um and things like that so yeah look I, I would hate to be in that match selection meeting like how you don't pick like we must have 30 players that could fit that team and you've got to kick out like eight eight at least that should be in the side but can't be because of one reason or another, whether it's the matchups. Uh, whether it's we've got three players fit the same position, you know, there's just so many variables. But, uh, look, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to all the games. I hope crowds can get back sometimes. Look, if I don't get to go to a game, uh, whether it's done by ballots or whether it's the highest paid memberships, I, I don't care. I've got a, I'm have got a Morris Rioli club member. Um, so look if we make a grand final and crowds are there I've got a guaranteed ticket Um, you know as far as in the ballot and uh, look if I miss every game this year and crowds are allowed in somewhat if I get to the grand final I'm happy
0: it's just going to be look it's going to be a season like no other and I'm throwing the asterisk As we just said, I'm throwing it out the window because the challenges for coaches, the challenges for selection, as you've already said, the challenges for the players who um, might be dropped for one week and not for another, it's going to be such a great tactical year. There might be some players, the smart coaches are going to really talk to their players and say, hey, this team is really top-heavy. We're going small this year or this week, or we're going to go tall this week. The players at a club like Richmond are going to know that. I think they are so solid as a team, and Jack Graham summed that up last year, you know, sacrifice in the preliminary final. There's something extremely special about this squad. It seems the most unselfish and happy squad I've ever seen in my you know, I'm 47. I've never seen a happier nah, team. No, nah, no, nah, I so- absolutely agree.
1: These, these last few years have just really, like, you can feel it. Like when you're there, you can feel it. If you go to a training session, you can see it, you can feel it, you can almost smell it, that that it's just something different, you know, and, and, and I hope that it stays for a period of time. I would hate to see, you know, in past decades where it looked like we were going to get somewhere and then there was that implosion and it wasn't the players imploding; it was the club imploding. Um, and I just feel like we've got ourselves a bit of insurance in the bank on that now. And uh...
0: yeah, yep, yeah, definitely. There's there's not that pressure of the thirty seven year wait. There's there's money in the bank. There's developments happening. You know, the AFLW team, whilst they had a disappointing first season. They're there now. You know, the Swinburne Centre's in development, the Basha Foundation, Corin uh, gramaji it, It's an absolute club. It's beyond a team now. And uh, I think what Peggy and Brendan, I don't have to say anything about what they've done, but what they have done, and I do have to say this, is I think they have set us up for the next generation. I mean, I, there is the, you know, it's going to be good years and bad years, but the blueprint is there. I've coming.
1: always said for decades people used to you know we were ninthman or, or beyond in in depth and and they'd say, you know look how do you do it and I go listen, as soon as off the field in the boardroom is sorted out, it'll all happen on field and I, I said that all the way back to like when Alan Bond was associated with the club you know and that's going back 30 years and, and it was just the club imploded inside the boardrooms and, and, you know, the off-field stuff, and it just flowed down. It just, you know, look, gravity, gravity makes things at the top go to the bottom, and, and that was it. And now, you know, we've got quality at the top, um, all the mindset and, 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 the, and the working seem to be ticking along like a, a well-oiled clock, and, and gravity again, it just flows all the way down. Um,
0: and how timely! How timely is it that you know the, the the war between Collingwood and Richmond that you know they basically destroyed each other almost, uh, and it's it's come full circle. You know, arguably the two biggest clubs in the competition reopening the uh, twenty twenty se- uh, reopening the twenty twenty season. Mate, give us your give us your prediction in the uh, we need to do it. What is what is your score prediction? What's what's going to be the final
1: one? I, I I think Richmond will win by five goals. Five goals or more. I really do.
0: I had 37 points in mind. Uh, Brett, um, we want you back on here, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate your patience in uh, getting onto this podcast. Um, and we want you back on in future weeks if you've got the time. We understand everyone's busy. Um, but real pleasure having you on, mate. We really I've thank enjoyed you it. Much. Yeah,
1: Thanks very much.
0: We're going to have you back, mate. Go, to Go the Tigers. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Brett. Another poll we had during the week was who will poll more Brownlow votes this year. We definitely excluded Dusty because we thought he might get 90 odd percent. So we put up the options of Hawley, Lynch, Edwards or Prestia who would get the most Brownlow votes. And Prestia out of 144 votes 84 percent, Edwards with 9 percent, Lynch with 4 and Hawley with 3. So resounding Prestia out of the 144 votes 84 percent. 25 metres without a bounce Kicks long to the wing Talia there with a fist for the Crows Down a slope, but he's surrounded rebound a hand pass out in front of Caddy He'll get a nice bounce He can run all the way home Second bounce, he runs to within 25 Hand passes, should have had a shot Doesn't matter,
1: it doesn't matter Prestia kicks the goal
0: Nothing matters The Tigers have got the flag won With four days to go A number four that was synonymous with our club before Dustin Martin was certainly the great, great Royce Hart. Between 1967 and 77, played 187 games for the Tigers, 369 goals. Played a memorable one game for Glenelg in the SANFL. I believe that was in a grand final as well, and also coached Footscray between 80 and 82. Um, not a great track record in that regards. 53 games, 8 wins, 45 losses. He was a Richmond Premiership player, 67, 69, 73, 74. AFL Team of the Century, Tasmanian Team of the Century, Richmond Team of the Century, Michael Roach, medalist, 67, 71. Jack Dyer, medalist in 69 and 72. Made the All-Australian team in 69. He captained us between 72 and 75 was inducted into the Australian Football Hall of Fame in 1996, and the Richmond Hall of Fame ended up uh, being inducted in 2002. He is absolutely an immortal in our regards, has to be one of the greatest players ever, and some would still argue that he is the greatest number four that the Tigers have ever had. Royce Hart, four days to go. Mate, we're going to uh, hopefully embody everything about you come Thursday night against the dreaded Pies.
1: So it's up towards centre-half, forward. And the mark taken there by Hart. He plays on immediately. That's the boy who got
0: a bad knock earlier. He kicks in towards it towards Colwoods. Has
1: the been touched? I'll tell you what, this fellow's really turning it on. Here's his kick now. Royce Hart. Davis there for uh, Melbourne. But Hart threw himself backwards. The kick from uh, Ganaean goes down to the edge of the goal square. Hart's in there, knocked away from him, however. There they go. Hart is still struggling on. Oh, he kicks it. He's kept it.
0: So we take on the old enemy, the Pies, on Thursday night with no crowd as we know. And we come into the week with a happy team, with a team that has relatively no injuries. The only injury concern being the calf muscle at this stage of Bashahuli. Whether he gets up or not, um, we probably won't know for a day or so. But the team looks very, very settled. I'm really interested to see the lineup they actually choose for round one. I think if we start well, and uh, we maintain the rage. And remember that round one, we let a pretty ordinary team back into the fold. Oh, I think we're going to get up any you know, 35 to 37 points. So let us know your thoughts uh, on the margins and the, and obviously, hopefully, the Tigers winning on Forever Yellow and Black on Twitter and also on Facebook. Go Tigers! Get off the
1: ground, take your
0: Well, thanks for listening to another episode of Forever Yellow and Black. And the excitement builds for the Thursday night blockbuster without a crowd against the pies. And let's just beat those. I, can't, I won't say the words. I've got kids. Let's just beat the old enemy. Come on, the Iggs!